somebody says my life turned out exactly the way I planned it, they're lying. This is Finding Your Venture episode number 24. It's called Don't Overthink It. There's no one path to success. Is it better to start a company now or go get a job first? Students ask this question all the time and obviously there's no right answer. The case for starting now is that you don't have a lot to lose. Someday you're gonna have a job making a lot of money and then it's gonna be harder to walk away. The case for waiting is that you're gonna gain experience and contacts in a job that'll make you more likely to succeed in a startup down the road. I'm in my 40s and that question never really resolves itself. My friends and I still ask ourselves these sorts of questions all the time. And since there's no single correct path to having a career that you're happy with, I tell students not to overthink it too much. Be bold, try the things you're interested in, and just be ready to make a change if you find out that that's not the right path. The story that you're gonna hear now is from Dawn Verbrigge. She's the founder of Jotful, and she has a fine arts degree from the University of Michigan, but then she took a winding path to becoming a tech entrepreneur. After college, she lived in Southern California, Northern California, New York, London, Amman, Jordan. She had lots of different jobs, and it wasn't always obvious that she would go on to start a tech company. I think it's important to know you don't have to have everything figured out in advance, and I love to see what that looks like in somebody else's story. So let's start at the beginning. We're going to hear about Dawn's childhood and early influences that kind of set her off on this path. I'm from a village in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's a town of about 200 people. And at one point, the state pulled together a bunch of neighboring communities in order to be able to have enough students to create a school. So we had a single school, grades kindergarten through 12th. I was the youngest in my class. Really, I was the runt of the litter. When they would do the class photos of our grade, I was often the one sitting in the very front row with that little sign holding it up. I was smart. But because I was so young, skipping a grade was out of the question. But my parents really wanted to make sure that I remained challenged academically. So they sat down with the school who, in their description, proposed some sort of closet with a computer in it. And this is where I could do my learning for part of the day. But when I was in the fourth grade, I heard that there was going to be a class after school for parents to learn computer programming. I didn't know what that was, but it was on these computers and the computers looked so amazing to me. So I signed my mother up for this class and I learned how to program in basic while she sat in the corner. And in my memory, she was sitting in the corner, either knitting or reading a book. But it now occurs to me that she knows neither how to knit nor how to, well, she knows how to read. She's just not a reader. So what she does do is she doodles a lot on the back of envelopes. So I'm sure she sat in the corner and doodled on the back of envelopes while I learned how to program in basic. Everybody wants to have intrinsically motivated kids. And Dawn sounds like this intrinsically motivated kid. She wants to learn basic. But just because you're a kid who's got a lot going for you doesn't mean you have everything figured out. I think a lot of really smart, promising young people can relate to that feeling. By the time I graduated from high school, I was an exceptionally well-rounded individual. And yet I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Because it was such a small school when you got up to accept your diploma, they didn't just say your name, but they would also announce your parents' names and what it is that you were going to be doing after graduation. And for most of the students in my class, they would get up and they would announce where they were going to be working after graduation. 
a couple other kids in my class went to college, but they were always for you know, very defined reasons, such as she's going to Northern Michigan University where, she can, where she's going to be studying to become a nurse. I was the valedictorian, and yet I was really embarrassed by the fact that when I got up there, they announced that I was going to the University of Michigan, which is great, but that I was, quote unquote, undeclared. I just had no idea what it is that I wanted to do. And in a place where not many people go to college, the idea of going to college, having absolutely no plan, no idea what you're interested in or what you want to study, just seemed like a really frivolous waste of money. You know that saying, if you don't know where you're going, then any path will do? Well, certainly, I did not know where I was going. So I took every path. I took all the paths. Let me give you some examples. When I was a freshman here at Michigan, I signed up for a course, a course in music history. I specifically signed up for this class because where I was from, my small school, we didn't have any music education. So I had never listened to classical music. I certainly didn't know how to read music. I knew, I knew really nothing about music. It was only at the midterm that I realized that everybody else in my lecture hall was a music student. And this music history class was something that they were taking that was required for their degree. And I, I couldn't listen to the music, for example, and know what note it was. I certainly had never heard any of these songs. And so I had to memorize absolutely everything. I took a class in existentialism once because when the course catalog came out, I saw the word existentialism and I didn't know what it meant. So I read the description and the very last line of the description said, quote, this class is not for the faint of heart. So I immediately signed up. I also took a course in modern dance. And if you know anything about me, you know, absolutely hilarious that is. But I took it again because I didn't know anything about modern dance. Needless to say, every single person in the class was actually a dance student at the, at the music school. And when I was working on my final performance, I asked my roommate how my practice went. And she looked at me and said, well, you dance like a basketball player. And she was, she was absolutely right. Fortunately, the class had term papers and I did pretty well on those. Those super random classes that you take in college are the best. When you're out there sticking your neck out, trying something new, learning something where you're a complete beginner and you're on a steep part of a learning curve, it just, it feels great. But in the moment, it can feel like you're a flake. So it's helpful to have a framework for decision-making about these big life decisions when there's no exact right answer. What had always seemed like a fairly random walk, as it turns out, was actually pretty well planned in that I clearly had a decision-making framework, which was this. Where can I learn the most? And since then, I've really, I've updated it. And now I focus on a couple more things. I think, where can I learn the most quickly? And where can I learn the most quickly and inexpensively? I found a few hacks for that that I, I might share with you. The first one is work at a startup. I mean, obviously I say this, I'm an entrepreneur. But the great thing about working at a startup is that, first of all, you get to learn all about how a business is run whilst getting a paycheck from somebody else. But additionally, you get to see all the different functions of an organization in a way that's much harder to do when you're siloed in a specific department. You get exposure to more senior people than you otherwise would get exposure to. And you get to work on projects that are, frankly, a little bit bigger and a little bit more challenging than you might otherwise get. A second hack 
is to read books. I mean, certainly there's no better way to learn than through experience, but the cheapest and fastest way to learn through experience is by learning through other people's experiences and reading about other people's mistakes. I'm a voracious reader of books, especially biographies written by entrepreneurs. If they're honest, those can be really, really enlightening. Finally, start a side hustle. One of the biggest barriers to people starting a business is they just don't know where to begin, right? What's the difference between an LLC and a C-Corp? How do I pay those taxes to the state? Like, how do, just how do I get started? And by starting a side hustle, you're going to start to check those things off the list. You're going to necessarily have to figure those things out, but you're going to be doing it in a way that's, that's pretty low risk. I have, a, I have a colleague who really feels a lot more like a partner now, and she often says, I have no idea how anybody else could have started this business because you have such a diverse skill set. And it's just a good reminder that picking up that diverse skill set in the end does have value. And ultimately, taking all the paths was the right decision for me. I really admire people who have chosen a path and stuck with it. And I feel like you see this a lot with doctors in particular. For some reason, people know by junior high if they want to be a doctor. And there's a very clear route for that, a very prescribed number of years of college. And then you have a certain lifestyle afterwards. It's all pretty much laid out for you. And I really admire those people. I am just not that person. It's not the personality for me. It never would have worked. Wouldn't have worked for me either, Don. Okay, in this last section, we're going to hear the part that you normally would only hear. It's looking back through the rearview mirror where everything seems to make sense. And it was like predetermined that this would all work out. My parents are both small business owners. So I was raised in the language of business ownership. I was surprised because I taught management classes at university and I was surprised that my students know, didn't know the difference between revenue and profit. I feel like I knew that from you know elementary school because that was part of dinner table conversation. So it's certainly not at all a surprise that I became a business owner, although I didn't become deliberate about it until just before I went to business school. In fact, I chose the business school I chose, which is Columbia Business School in New York, because they are strong in finance. And my experience had been in marketing, and I knew I needed to buttress that side of my education. So I purposely went to a school that was strong in finance and primarily took finance classes there for that reason. It was, however, only before I started this business that I actually was able to absorb the title of entrepreneur. And this is the second business that I've started. It was when I was about to start this business and I was considering this opportunity and, and an actual job, like a real paying job at a company that is, is going to do super, super well. And I was talking to my mentor and sort of proposing these you know, two alternative, two options that I had. And he just looked at me after I talked about this job and he said, but Dawn, you're an entrepreneur. And I think it was the first time that anybody had ever said, that's clearly what you are. And I just banged my head on the table and said, oh, you're right. I am an entrepreneur. And it should have been really obvious. I mean, I was the president of the entrepreneurship club at Columbia, right? <laughs> I just wasn't quite ready to absorb that title for myself. And now I do, I realize, okay, that's what I am. And it's, it's a big part of the reason why I have taken the path that I have. Don, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. It's helpful to live vicariously through you and see how you kind of wind up in the place that you're meant to be, but it's not a straight path to getting there. And that's okay. 
Hey, if you like listening to Finding Your Venture, I want you to know about the LinkedIn group that we just formed. We're gonna start hosting regular Zoom meetings where people can pitch their startups and just the things that they're working on. It's mostly for alumni of the course, but we let anybody join. And there's only two more episodes to go in this second season of Finding Your Venture. I'm really excited about those. The next one is about telling your story and how important it is, especially early on when that story might not be obvious to other people, you have to kind of connect the dots for them. It's been a lot of fun putting this season together. If you get a chance to rate or give comments on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that'd be great. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you.